If all the new life is, is an absence of the old life, I would propose to you that's not a new life. But the new life that is ours in Christ, the putting on the new is being about the mission and the message of Jesus. That's the new we are called to put on. You are set free from the old. Jesus is finished with your sin. If all your life is about his sin management, you're gonna be miserable in that. for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. But when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees an ambassador. He sees a, a, a reconciled son of God. When Jesus looks at you, when the father rather looks at you, he sees the perfect Jesus standing before him. So as we walk, we must walk carrying the mantle, knowing who we are post-conversion. This is Sozo Church. Acts chapter three. Verses one through 10, it says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth. Everybody say lame from birth. So are you cool kids? That means he can't walk. It doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to dress right. It means he can't walk. Lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately, everybody say immediately. Immediately, immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entering the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Let's pray together this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that your word is living and active. We thank you that it is not dead and passive. So God, we come to you this morning in desperate need to hear your word. Lord, we don't need to hear uh, the opinions or the rambling of a preacher. We don't need to be entertained. We need to be transformed. And so God, we come to you this morning for that. We ask that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we are so desperate to hear you speak. Your word is true when it says that your word is like bread to our souls. So God, we come and we ask for the bread of your word. God, strengthen us, transform us. Lord, let us hear your word. Let us be receptive to your word, receiving it, taking it into our hearts, 
Lord, let it go deep within us and transform the very fiber of our soul and our spirit. Let us be transformed by it, being doers of the word, not just hearers, not just ones that come and hear and, 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 and passively listen, but let us actively engage with what it is you are doing in and through your word this morning. Let's be transformed that you might receive glory and you might receive honor and you might be praised and your kingdom might expand and your purposes might be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Uh, this morning we are embarking, as I, as I mentioned, on a new series. You may have guessed it from the start. Uh, we're calling the series This Little Light of Mind, Finding Your Purpose in the Mission of Jesus. Uh, it, it occurred to me as we sort of ended this series talking about uh, an eternal perspective, we called it Great Expectation, focusing on, on really the eternal reality of our world, the superior reality of, uh, of our king and his kingdom, the reality that we serve another king and a superior kingdom, kind of, kind of hit me with sort of, okay, but now what? Where, where do you go from there? I mean, you, you put eternity out and, and you kind of go, okay, now what? I mean, you've sort of, haven't we sort of maybe reached the, the peak of the mountain with talking about the eternal reality and supremacy of God? And in one case, I would say yes, but, but I think a natural progression for us would be to say, okay, if we serve another king and, and he has another kingdom, what is he doing? Does he have a purpose? Does he have a mission this side of eternity? Or are we all just waiting for some, you know, cosmic bus trip to just take us off into a superior reality? And I would like to propose to us that absolutely, Jesus has a mission and that our purpose is found and fulfilled only in his mission. It, 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 it's interesting to me as I talk to Christians, it's sort of my job. As I talk to Christians, when I hear Christians, and I'll admit I heard this more as a youth pastor than I do now, when I, I would hear young people say, man, being a Christian is boring. And my response to that was, no, you're boring. <laughs> it's interesting, you look at Hollywood, you look at Hollywood or you look at, 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 at the, the story world, the books that are written and the stories that are told and and, and if you stop and realize, we have a fascination as a people with, with something beyond. Have you noticed that? You, you look at a story uh, that has endured a, a, quite a long time, a story like, like, like let's, let's look at Tolkien. I'm trying to think of one here. Let's look at Tolkien. Let's, let's look at Tolkien in his series, Lord of the Rings. And you, you look at what, he, at what he has proposed in that. And what you see is, is, a, is, is stakes set so high that, that literally the entire world is at stake. The battles that are being fought are not just little battles that everything hangs on every swing of the sword. You encounter beings of greater power and greater authority than yourself. And, and these, these people that go through those stories are somehow transformed into greater people than they were when the story began. And they achieve you know, just absolutely magnificent things and, and, and are used to, to bring about transformation and, 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 and the saving of, of this entire world. And I have to stop and wonder if the reason why that resonates with us 
is because he, being God, has hidden eternity in our hearts and something resonates. You see, you are meant to encounter beings far more powerful than yourself. You are meant to be a part of something that is bigger than you. You are meant to give yourself to a purpose that is grander than just the battle you are currently facing. See, it resonates with us because we're built for it. See, the Christian life is not boring. If your faith is boring, I love you, you're boring. It's not about these little things. It's about something much grander. And I would like to propose that that is what we ought to be about. So over the next six weeks, we're gonna look at this story because I believe that we ought to find our purpose in the mission of Jesus. I think that, that any life lived as a believer that is not, I'll use this word, obsessed with the mission of Jesus is a life lived lower than the Christian life ought to be lived. So, so I want to propose to you, and really this is one message preached over six weeks. Uh, it, it's, it's really just walking through this, this story. I think it's a, a fantastic story. You just have two guys going about their life, right? <clears throat> there's no pulpits. There's no, there's no church service here. This is just two dudes walking along. And yet, God uses them. They see an opportunity, and God uses it to, to not only restore uh, physical healing to a man, but really make access for him into the people of God, into the presence of God. And, and, and others are, are, are confronted, and we'll read this as we continue the story, with the reality of who Jesus is, because two dudes were just going on a walk. So I think there's a lot we can learn here. Um, so the next six weeks... We'll cover these things. This is, this is for me really the, the, the core, the essence. I, I hear this a lot from, from people. You know, I really wish somebody would do some evangelism training so that I could do evangelism. Can I tell you something? I love you. Can I tell you something? Can I be honest for a second? What I hear when people tell me that, well, I don't do any, I don't really share my faith with anybody. I don't really talk about Jesus with anybody. I don't really, I'm not really a part of what God is doing in the earth today because, you know, I don't have any training. If somebody would train me, then I would do it. Here's what I hear. I would go out and find a spouse if I could just get into marriage counseling first. If somebody would put on a pre-marriage class, I'll go sign up for it. I'll go all, through, all the way through the course so that I can be you know, prepped and ready to get married, and then I'll go find a spouse. You're getting it backwards. If you are not a part of what God is doing in the earth today, no amount of classes, certificates, training, or, or, or seven steps to leading your neighbors to Jesus is going to get you to do it. This stuff is not about seven steps to lead your neighbor to Jesus. This stuff is about getting into your soul, the very drive to be a part of the mission of God. So this week, we're going to deal with receive. Receive, rely, redirect, reinforce, resist, repeat. I'm a preacher. They all start with R's. This is what we're going to be about. This week... I wanna to talk to you about receive. Knowing and owning the mission of Jesus. Receive, knowing and owning the mission of Jesus. I would like to propose to us that for too long, we have separated our daily life from our divine calling. And along with that, we've separated, we've separated the mission of Jesus and we've put it onto the ministers of the body rather than the members of the body. I thought we paid you to do the ministry. Nope. You pay me to equip you to do the ministry according to Ephesians 4. Let's get real quiet in here. You see, we, we've separated. We say, I have, my, I have my spiritual life. I'm one way Sunday, my way Wednesday. 
I have my my work life, I have my ministry life. I have my spiritual life, I have my family life. And let me just ask you a profound question. How's that working for you? It's kind of boring, because you're boring. I love you. This idea of separating, of of designating, of saying, you know, I don't really really need to be about the whole Jesus thing except when I'm sort of, you know, at his house. That's not the way God intended us to live. And then we have this idea that ministry is for, you know, hyper-spiritual people who just, you know, walk around and their feet never really touch the ground. They just sort of glide everywhere. Or maybe we think they're, they're for people who are just highly educated and have lots of degrees and have gone through seminary and have lots of, 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 of certificates hanging on their wall, teaching them all the deep, meaningful truths. And, and you know, those crazy people understand thou and thine. That's, that's ministries for those people. Or maybe you think that, no, you gotta be commissioned by some big board of people. And then once they lay their hands on you and, 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 and have you go, then though those are the people that are called to ministry, but I don't have any of those things or, Maybe, it's, maybe for you, it's not some of that. It's just, you just gotta be really outgoing. You think ministries are people who just like being around people all the time. They're never uncomfortable. They never, they don't, they're missing the awkward gene. You know what I'm talking about? Those people, you ever been around those people that like never seem to be uncomfortable meeting new people? Here's what I wanna tell you. I have none of those things. I dropped out of high school. I know, I'm sorry. I dropped out of high school no board has ever commissioned me to do anything. They've asked me to not do a lot of stuff, but no board has ever commissioned me to do anything. I don't have any, any kind of grand spiritual walk around on a cloud, just ask my wife. And meeting new people makes my skin crawl. I love you, I'm not trying to be weird. It's just, it's not a natural part of my natural makeup. But yet, there's a call. But yet, there's a commission. There's a mission we are called to serve. And I would like to propose that the first step in understanding this is we have to receive, we have to know, and we have to own the mission of Jesus. So if you still have a Bible out and about, see if this worked. Do we have 2 Corinthians 5? If not, can you throw it? There we go. It's not on mine. I don't know what's going on. I love technology. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter five. This is really where I'd like to hang out this morning. Um, I would like to propose to you that John and Peter were living on mission because they had received a commission from the Lord to live that way. It was in my opening verses, but the computer decided to eat it. Where Jesus in Matthew calls them to go forth, come on somebody, and, and make disciples. He says, leave where you're comfortable and get out and go make disciples. So I'm just checking the number to make sure it's not my daughter. Uh, I have my daughter's tag. Um, anyways, uh, he, he commissioned them. That's why they did what they did. They had received the mission. And so for us, how do we receive the mission? I, this is the text I go to in my heart, in my thinking, in my mind. So 2 Corinthians chapter five, let's start at verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone, everybody say anyone. anyone. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us. Okay, I need your help on this. Every time you see us or we, I need you to repeat it after me. Can you do that? Can you help me? Can you help me? Are you alive? Are you here? So all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us 
to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Next verse, I think. Do we have another verse? There we go, yeah. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the, their, trans, or their trespasses against them and entrusted to us, come on, to us, the ministry, the, the, I lost myself here. I'm good at this. Message, there we go. Yeah, entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so, so, so the, this, is, this is what I want to go to. This is where I want to I show us. What do we need to receive? My commitment in this series is to try to make this as down-to-earth practical as possible. Because I think as long as we leave stuff up in the stratosphere, it's great. I love it. Because if it's all up here in the stratosphere, I don't have to do anything with it. This is all, you know, theory. It's, it's like quantum mechanics. It doesn't matter at all. It's great theory, fun to read. I don't have to do anything with it. So I, I want to get this down where we live. So, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you what I believe are the five things you need to receive. Five things you need to receive from this text. Five things you need to receive in order to find and fulfill your mission or your, your purpose in the mission of Jesus. The first is you need to receive the mission. That is, you need to know what Jesus is about. What is Jesus doing? What is the purpose that Jesus is trying to fulfill? What is it that he's about? What is it that, that drives the, the activity of, of God in the earth today? And I'm gonna try to keep this as simple as possible. This is what I would say. Jesus is on a mission to bring renown to his name through the rescue of that which is lost and the restoration of that which is broken due to the rebellion of his creation. It's a mouthful. So Jesus, let's, let's settle this first off. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus has a purpose. Jesus is doing something. You read this passage and, and there's lots of activity. I don't see a passive God in, in this passage, do you? I see a God who is about things. And I would like to propose to you, this is what he's about. First and foremost, it's about his renown. We, we can't miss that. We can't skip that. No, nobody in the kingdom gets famous except the king. Hello, somebody. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory. Everything we do is to, is to magnify and exalt. And you might say, that seems really selfish, but here's the deal. An infinitely, or a, a finitely valuable being, the highest we can possibly experience is to enjoy and exalt an infinitely valuable being. So the best thing that God wants to give you, the thing that he can give you that is the absolute best, is the enjoyment and the exaltation of who he is. Or to put it another way, to bring renown to his name to exalt, to magnify, to glorify. Jesus is on a mission to bring renown to his name. The question is, how is he doing that? Well, we all gather together and we all just hum. And the hum fills the earth and he is glorified. Sort of what I thought when I was a hippie and I did stuff. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he's on a mission and that mission is a rescue and a restoration mission. So here's what we have to understand. I'm gonna go as fast as I can over this. What we have to understand is that that in the story that we hear about our first parents, which, which is both an account and also a picture of what we all do. 
we see where the problem really began, where the, where the root of the problem really is, and that is this. We have received nothing, nothing but good from our God. Take a breath. Take a breath. That's a gift from God. He has done nothing but be gracious and, and generous toward us and demonstrate his love and his affection toward us. And yet, what we see in the garden, what happens in, 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 the, in Genesis is God creates everything and it's good. It's not bound by the law of atrophy like it is now. There's no death or decay happening in this creation. It is good and it is perfect. And then in the midst of this good and perfect creation, he makes a perfecter, I think that's a word, We'll call it one for today. A perfecter creation, a garden, and he, and he sets his people in this garden to enjoy it. He gives them a purpose in it. And yet a serpent comes and says, God's withholding good from you. You know that one tree he told you not to eat of the knowledge of good and evil? The only reason he doesn't want you to eat it is because when you eat it, you'll be like him. There's good out there, and God is selfish, and he is withholding good from you. Despite the fact that all evidence pointed in the opposite direction, everything God had ever done was good. Everything God had ever done to us was good. Everything he'd ever given us was good. And yet we buy into our stinking thinking to think that there may be good hidden in something God said is bad. Can I tell you that's why you look at that crap on the internet? You think there's something good for you there. That's why you have a little too much to drink because you think there's something good for you there. That's why you think the way you think and you get angry. You think, well, if I just get angry, I can fix this problem. No, you can't. You think there's something good in your sin and there's not. There's nothing good there. He is good. And what happens when, when, we, did, when we fell, corruption entered creation and we were separated from God. We were lost to him. Our sin separated us. And Jesus, this is what I'm trying to get to. Jesus is all about rescuing those that are lost. But see, not only did, did our rebellion, the rebellion of God's creation cause us to be lost, but it broke creation. And Jesus is on currently, right now, not someday in the future, oh, by and by when we go to the sky, but right now he is actively involved in bringing restoration to the earth. And seeing the lost rescued and, and the world restored. And he did that by, even though we were his enemies because of our rebellion, he loved us enough to pay the price for our sin. And then on top of that, the Bible says, to win our affections. To chase us down, come on, and bring us to himself. He's on a rescue mission. What is Jesus about? He's about the renown of his name bringing renown to his name through the rescuing of the lost, the restoration of that which is broken. That's what Jesus is about. You say, well, how does he do it? I'm glad you asked. How does he do it? Through a message. So we have to know the mission. But listen, if you're not on message, you're not on mission. I'm gonna say that again. If you're not on message, you're not on mission. If you've made something else your message, then you are not on mission. The message is the gospel, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this as simple as I can. I'm not gonna go into my normal big uh, explanation of the gospel. Um, if you are interested in my long explanation of the gospel, listen to, help me, Jay, any message I've ever preached here. Uh, and it's probably in there. But right now, I wanna, I wanna tie it to this text. Because in this text, here's what we see. We see two things happening at the same time. We see you're a sinner, but he's a savior. 
And both of those things are necessary in the proclamation of the gospel. And, and here's, here's the cool part. This is where you have to know the Holy Spirit because some people need a little more of one and a little less of the other. I've met people, I love sharing the gospel with people, and I've met people who, who when you say you're a sinner, they go, no, I'm not, I'm better than the ax murderer. Nice bar, that's a, that's a, you couldn't think of anybody else you're better than just the ax murderer? Yeah, just the ax murderer, okay. Um, we compare ourselves to another person and try to figure out if we're sinners or not. When the Bible compares us to the holiness and the perfection of Jesus, come on, somebody, we're sinners, so I meet some people, man, you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta have that conversation with them so you can get them to the fact that he's a savior because simply telling them that he's a savior when they don't believe they are a sinner, when they don't think they're in danger. Come on, somebody. Telling somebody there's a savior when you don't think you need to be saved. And then you meet other people that, man, they're just broken already. And they say things to me like, man, there's no way if there is a God that is good and loving and holy that he could ever accept me. I've just, and you don't know what I've done and I've messed up so much. Can I just, can I give you a little, little piece of advice? Those are people you don't need to beat up with the fact that they're sinners. They get it. What you need to tell them is, yeah, you know, you, you don't argue with them. Yeah, you're right. But yeah, guess what? He's a savior. It doesn't matter what your sin is. He's a savior. In fact, the bigger your sin, the more glorious his salvation to you is which of course is not a reason to partake in sin more, but a reason to abandon it because Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He's done with your sin. See, this is something, I, I, it's not in my notes, but this is something that, that I think we need to understand. In this passage, it said, we, we, the, the old has passed away, the new has come. Correct? Did we read that together? The old has passed away, the new has come. Can I tell you, when I listen to messages what the, the sense that I get is that the new coming is just the old passing. That the new coming is just being free of my sin. Can I be honest with you? That's boring. If all the new life is, is an absence of the old life, I would propose to you that's not a new life. But the new life that is ours in Christ, the putting on the new, is being about the mission and the message of Jesus. That's the new we are called to put on. You are set free from the old. Jesus is finished with your sin. If all your life is about his sin management, you're, you're gonna fail. You're gonna fall. You're, you're gonna be miserable in that. But if your life is about being on mission and on message with Jesus, dude, you're living in the Lord of the Rings. There's a mission to be fulfilled. There's a, there's, a, there's a return of the king that we should be about. There's, there is something grand and glorious that your life can be about that is bigger than just the nine to five grind that we're in. See, I'm passionate about this because I believe a believer who is not on mission and is not on message is at best worthless and at worst dangerous. See, you're dangerous because you're, you're, you are absorbing resources that ought to be going toward the mission. I love you. And you're dangerous because and you're a distraction to other people who ought to be on mission. We are doing everything we could do here to laser focus our mission. We're about three things here. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to everyone who lives in Spokane, producing genuine disciples of Jesus and partnering in global mission of Jesus. That's it. Well, what about snowshoeing clubs? Preach the gospel, produce disciples, partner in missions. That's it. Somebody's about ready to leave the church. We don't have a snowshoeing club? Nope. 
coming, Jesus. So we have to receive the mission of Jesus. We have to receive the message of Jesus. We have to hurry up. Um, thirdly, uh, we have to receive the mantle. And I kind of already skipped into this one here a little bit. You have to know who and what you are post-conversion. You have to know who and what you are post-conversion. So, so we hear a lot, right? Like we're, we're, we're sinners and, and we are. It's true. I'm not gonna deny that. We're, we're sinners. If you wanna take a quick look around the room, we're all sinners. Don't do it, obviously, because then people will feel uncomfortable. But I mean, if you look around the room, we're, we're all sinners. We have, what, what do I mean by that? We have all sinned. <gasps> we've all done it. We've all sinned. But in Christ, when you read this passage, it, listen, again, it touches on sin. I, I don't want to skip over that. I don't want to back off on that. I, I, was, I heard the story of a, of a Dominican, a guy, a guy from the Dominican Republic. He, he moved to America, became a doctor, had a great practice, felt called to missions, prayed and asked God what country he had to go to, and, and the Lord told him, go back to the Dominican Republic. When he did, uh, he left his practice, he left all that he had, his very successful uh, practice in, in America, and he moved back to the Dominican Republic and opened up a free clinic and just began to preach the gospel. He and his wife are both doctors, they just did this, and God began to open up doors for him, and, and one day he was called to the bedside of a, a prominent a person in the government, a pretty much a, 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 the correlation would be sort of like a senator. And he was called to his bedside, and the guy called him there because he knew he was a believer, but also he knew he was a, a really, really good doctor, and man had cancer, and he was dying, and he said, is there, you know, this is the prognosis I've been given, I, I could go at any moment, but is there anything we might be able to do? And the doctor looked and he said, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna believe God for a miracle. But from a medical perspective, no, the doctors you've seen are all right. There's, there's nothing we can really do for you medically at this point. But the, the, the man said, I, I wanna know, do you, do, you, do you have peace right now in the midst of all this? He said, oh yes, I have peace. You know, I've, I've, helped, I've helped dozens of ministries come into this country and opened up doors for you Christians and it's great. I have great peace. I, I, I've accepted Jesus, it's all good. And, and this doctor knew him, though, and knew his life. And he knew he'd never really, despite all the good works that he's done and all the nice things he'd done for the gospel and for the church, he said, well, you know, I know you've never been a part of a community of faith. I know you've never really seemed to be active in it. You've done great things. He said, you, you say you've accepted Jesus, but might I ask, sir, have you ever repented? And he said, why would I need to repent? I've done all these good things. And so this doctor was able to walk him through the reality of his sin and the, the, the depravity of his heart and the goodness and graciousness and magnificence and glory and beauty and wonder and awe of our God who, who comes and rescues us out of, of the pit that we bring ourselves into. And the man began to weep and he repented and he cried out to Jesus and he repented of his sins and he entrusted him. And, and this is the part of the story that shocks me. And this is why I will not let up on the fact that yes, we are sinners. Because that man said, the senator looked at that doctor and said, can you answer me one more question? I helped dozens of Christians get into this country. Why did no one ever tell me I needed to repent? He said, I am certain with every ounce of my being had this moment not been ordained by the Lord and happened, I would have woken up after I fall asleep in hell and been separated from the God I thought I had accepted. We are sinners, we need to repent. But this is, this is where we gotta get to though. If I'm gonna, here, let me do this real fast. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna give us 
the title for today you'll receive, but if I'm gonna title this message in and of itself, this is what I would say. I would say that the title of this message is more than reconciled. More than reconciled. See, I'm not downplaying our reconciliation, I'm adding to our reconciliation. Because when you read this text, yes, it says that he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, but what does it call us? It calls us ambassadors of Christ. It calls us new creations. It calls us entrusted. It, called, it says that God is making his appeal through us. See, you, you gotta know that yes, you're a sinner, but when Jesus looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees an ambassador. He sees a, a, a reconciled son of God. When Jesus looks at you, when the father rather looks at you, he sees the perfect Jesus standing before him. So as we walk, we must walk carrying the mantle, knowing who we are post-conversion. We can't just walk around, oh, I'm, just, I'm just a horrible sinner. I just... How's that working for you? We have to carry the mantle. If, if you're unaware, mantles were, were things carried by, uh, in the day of the Bible, to distinguish rank and order and, and kind of where they stood. And, and care, we, we have to carry that. We have to walk with that. If we're gonna walk in the mission of Jesus, we have to realize what we've been saying for a while. We serve another king in another kingdom. So we are not subject to the rule of this kingdom and we are not subject to the rule of the kings of this age. Why did Peter and John walk by this guy and see the real need there because they were seeing from a higher perspective than just this dude needs a meal. You are more, listen to me, you are more than just your last mistake. You are more than your biggest failure. So yes, yes, you are reconciled. Listen, you will not experience a more impossible miracle in your life than the fact that you're accepted by a perfect king. Reconciled, that you will not experience a greater miracle than that. I don't care what kind of physical healing you have in your body, you will not experience a greater miracle. But what I'm telling you is there's more than just reconciliation that he gives you, he gives you a new identity. And that identity is not just the putting off of the old, it's the putting on of the new. And what is the new that he calls us to put on? He calls us to put on ambassador. He calls us to put on be the, the one that God is making his appeal through. He calls us to put on the, the, the mantle of a son of God and walk around in this earth knowing that we are representatives of another king in another kingdom. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> we have to do it. Yes, we have to know the, the mission. Yes, we have to know the message, but we have to carry the mantle. Going along with that, we have to, we ha it's, it's the mandate. So we have the mission, we have the message, we have the mantle, we have the mandate. You have to personally own the mission of Jesus. I touched on this earlier. It's not for professional Christians out there somewhere, somebody other than me to do. It's for each and every one of us. Let me put it to you this way. There's a purpose in your purchase. You were purchased at high cost by the Father, and there's a purpose to that purchase. He didn't just buy you just to buy you. He bought you for a purpose. He's reconciled you to himself for a purpose. That's why I'm saying it's more than reconciled. There's, yes, it's reconciled. The more than is not diminishing the reconciliation. Are you hearing me? It's elevating the reconciliation. That in my reconciliation, I'm not just welcomed into the family, I'm welcomed into the mission of God, personally, me, 
Until that's in you, this is what I'm saying, until that's in you, you can go to every 17 steps to share your faith class you want. You will never do it. All you really do is pile guilt on yourself for not doing it because now you know how. If this is not there, if you don't carry, if you don't receive the mandate where you go, man, I am called to do this. This is my mission. My purpose is tied up in his mission. Us, it says, us, we, there's 17, or seven, sorry, seven, not 17, seven corporate pronouns in this passage that we read and zero personal ones as it relates to the message. He doesn't say, I am an ambassador of Christ because I am Paul the apostle, neener, neener, neener. No, he says we, all of us, each and every one. We gotta, we gotta break down the fake wall of minister and member. That, that wall doesn't exist in the scriptures. 